Hello, and welcome to the Path of Most Persistence. This is a place where we hear and share tenacious stories of overcoming obstacles with our partners who dare to share a bit of their own personal paths. Molly Huber is the lead counselor at Troy High School. With 26 years experience in public education, she has been an English teacher, a history teacher, a softball and volleyball coach, and a professional high school counselor. Her experience is in promoting college and career readiness for all students. In 2017, she was selected to the first cohort of Texas Encore's Leader Fellows. She was subsequently elected to serve as a chair for the Fellows Alumni Network Council. Ms. Huber is a regional coordinator for NPI, focusing on the promotion of college and career readiness in STEM fields. Molly, my friend, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic and very excited to be here and happy to be here in person with you today. You know, I love having conversations with you and and just, you know, for the record, how long have we known each other? Well, I believe it's been 22 years now. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Quite a, quite a while. <laughs> a quite a while. And if I'm not mistaken, you were a teacher at the time. I was a counselor at the time. Correct. And that's, we were on the same campus working together. That is correct. And at that time, of course, I quickly, uh, you know, wanted to become your friend. But what I recognized um, about you is your professionalism, your desire to, uh, to be an educator of high standard. You had high expectations of yourself and students. But what you had that all teachers aspire to have is that special something that some teachers have that not only do you have those high expectations in the classroom for yourself and your students, but you have a way about you that students want to perform for you. They, they like you, not only respect you, but they really like you. And I want to know... Do you recognize that about yourself? I do. I, that's something that um, has come to me over time. I don't, I don't think I did when I was younger. Well, for sure I didn't when I was younger. Um, you know, when you start your career, you think so much about, well, I've got to get to this milestone and that milestone. And, and there's always preconceived notions of what success looks like. Um, and w- when you're somebody who is, you know, I was an English major, I taught English. Uh, those are, they're, I don't want to say they're not marketable skills, but they're strangely marketable. It's not like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a doctor and everybody knows what I can do with, with my skills. And so there there were a lot of years of trying to figure out what that meant um, and how how that applied and how to use that to help people. Um, and and just, you know, over time what I, what I realized is, and, and this might sound like bragging, but it is what it is, and I think we should all own our strengths. Absolutely. I have a presence. And people feel comfortable, more comfortable, when I'm in the room with them. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm good in a crisis situation uh, because I can walk in and people are just, that okay, she's here. Somebody's, you know, and um, that's something that over time I have come to really appreciate about myself. And so I, I don't necessarily, you know, I can't say to people, oh, yeah, I can, I can do math really well or, I, I, you know, I'm good at... Uh, researching things or whatever it is, but I do know that I can walk into a room and I can handle any situation. Okay, so much there. So let's start with that. 
you are aware of that trait about you? Is it something that you've obviously become more aware of, but is that something that you that comes to you naturally, or is it something that maybe you saw in someone else along, your, maybe in your youth, that you wanted to um, have for yourself? So, yeah, that's a really great question, and it kind of can lead us down some rabbit holes, I Please. think. But um, I don't think, I think it's inherent. For me, anyway, uh, originally. Uh, and I say that because I grew up playing sports. Um, and, uh, you know, I was pretty good, could play numerous positions. And I, just as a very specific example, I played softball. Probably a natural second baseman. Loved playing second base. Would have played second base every day of my career if I could have. Um, but I also liked to win. And we didn't win when other people were pitching. So I became a pitcher. <laughs> And when you're a pitcher, you have, you have got, you've got the ball in your hand every single play of the game. Um, and if I was calm, the rest of the team was calm. And that's not you, I didn't have that kind of impact at second base that I did as a pitcher. So I think I knew it was in me, and I knew that drive was there to make sure that it was all okay. I just think that was there. Nobody told me, hey, you need to go pitch or anything like that. Um, but I think I became more aware of, as I became more aware of it, I started really noticing it in other people and saying, oh, yeah, I want some of what she's got. Or, mm-hmm. yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's how I want to conduct myself. Um, and, you know, sometimes it was people across my career. Um, I was thinking a lot recently about um, people in my in my family history mm-hmm. that, um, wow, that, you know, I maybe never knew, but the family stories about those people had such impact on me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I've carried them with me. Nice. So you feel for you, it was basically innate. You had those tendencies within you and then you tried to enhance them. But as a teacher, coach, counselor, educator, do you feel that it's teachable? Can you teach? Are there certain traits that can enhance a student's ability, any person's ability to harness that trait if they have it or to capture it or to to gain it? Yeah, I think absolutely. Um, what I've always tried to do, I try, tried to do as a coach. Um, I certainly do it as a counselor. I, I feel like my role is to see those things in other people mm-hmm. and then give them the scaffolding, kind of that protective environment where they can kind of try it out and say, oh, yeah, maybe maybe I do have this. Right. And they can develop it um, and, and come to see it as a strength in themselves. I like that. Thank you for that. And before we start to pivot to other areas of our conversation, what was so special about second base? I, I don't know. I just loved it. It was, I, I no, no, I need, <laughs> I got, I'm fast. I was, well, I was, I'm not so fast anymore, but, uh, you know, I was quick on my feet. Uh, I could, I had a lot of range. Second base needs to have a lot of range to cover, uh, the ground. I was smart so I could help cover first base. I saw the play as it was happening. Wasn't necessarily the strongest arm on the infield. So that's kind of perfect for second base because none of your throws are, super far, uh, but I could, I could, I, I could fling it if I needed to. So it was, um, it, it was action packed. Uh, I liked it because I could have a lot of range over there at second base and, and uh, get to do some, you know, some diving and some, some <laughs> running, <action. laughs> running to the outfield for balls and things like that. Yes. Okay. So there was a lot of room to move about then. Correct. For someone yes. that doesn't understand, but it seems as though you had a lot of area to move around. You had a lot of independent movement. Yes, there. had a lot of range. So, like first and third were not. I could play them, but they they weren't fun to me because it was a much limit more limited area that I had to cover. As mm-hmm. a second baseman, I could I could I could roam the field. <laughs> I think there are some characteristics there that maybe linger, transcend 
baseball into other areas of your life just because I know you and your other talents because going further a little bit further I think about over the course of the years that we've known each other and Mm -hmm. especially over my 13 plus years with NPI I've asked you to collaborate on lots of different programming and uh, you've always done an excellent job for us. Obviously, you're a regional coordinator for us, and uh, there's a reason why I keep asking you back. But I want to know why you keep saying yes to these opportunities or challenges. Well, to, to keep with the softball metaphor, it lets me roam around the field. Absolutely. <laughs> there's a, I, I, one thing I don't ever want to do is stagnate. I don't ever want to get so... Um, comfortable that I just sit still because the growth is in the challenge. And so I always like to try new things and um, I'm just, just have just enough ego that I feel like, yes, I can help in that situation. I can be the one to do that. Um, I can make that happen. So it's, it's always a challenge. And um, I think it's always interesting to try new things and stretch myself in different ways. uh, Because I think there are people who think it's a, you know, as you said, I taught English, I taught history, and here I am promoting STEM. That's, where's that stretch and it's not not really I mean I've I've been around my dad is a PhD microbiologist so I've been around science I understand it uh, had an interest in it um, but took a different path with my my studies and what I became proficient in in college um, and how I applied that but always there's always interest other places and I want to go explore that too well and I'm always so grateful that you do because for us and just for our audience, really, I, I appreciate, and this is again one of the reasons why I always turn back to you, of course, because of your skill set. But I think it's important for our programming and those with whom we try to engage that although we do, we are absolutely um, attempting to encourage STEM pathways and even sprinkle in opportunities for nuclear applications. I think that it takes all of us, those of us uh, that do not have a technical background, a science background, Mm -hmm. those that have those uh, English backgrounds, history backgrounds, it takes us all to bring about that awareness and to educate students. So for me, especially someone uh, like yourself that uh, has a desire to do something more, learn something more, and really quite most importantly, that has a positive impact and influence on students, uh, that students will listen to. Uh, so again, thank you for always saying yes to what we do. But I, when I look at your resume, which uh, pretty much knew what it was going to, to say, but it's always good to look at a colleague's um, accomplishments, I see that the majority of your professional career has been in the position of counselor. Mm-hmm. And I want to know, why have you spent most of your career in that position? Um, that Well, you know, I think counselor kind of fits that part of me that likes to roam the field uh, because I get to do so many different things and impact students, faculty, uh, even my community in so many different ways. Uh, it gives me a, a platform to use in so many different ways. So I, I think it's never the same. It's... Uh, there's new projects that I can come with up with all the time, and 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 I have an opportunity to use my skill set um, to look at the Troy High School community and see, well, where 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 maybe do we need some help? Where do we maybe need a program? What are some maybe some issues or some problems that need to be addressed? And how can we do that as a team? Um, and I think that uh, that that's constantly changing. 
so on the one hand, it's like, oh, made it, made it through that one. And uh, now I can rest. And then here comes the next one right away. So here comes the next wave. Comes the, <laughs> the next wave of, of whatever is going on or whatever we need to work on. Or, uh, so, so it's always something different. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, my skill set, my knowledge is all still the same. I've got that base to draw from, but I always get to do different things. And those different things, I think for maybe you, I know for a lot of people, not only does it stretch your skill set, set, but mm-hmm. it also maybe reignites, you know, just enhances, maybe brings it back more su- excitement, enthusiasm to some of the things that maybe have gone a little bit dormant, at least for me. Oh, exactly. Think, yeah, you know, for it just sure. reignites for sure. feelings and passions about that. And, so, and that would be, just if yeah, I could add, there, that would be a, a big reason why I continue to say yes when you call, because um, there's, when you get to like you said, it's very refreshing and reinvigorating to get to work on something new and apply that skill set in a way that maybe you didn't think of before um, and stretch it a bit and, and see what you can do. I like that because ultimately all of our efforts, all of that goes back to students, Absolutely. all of our missions, our mission, your mission, everyone's mission. But I think back to, uh, to my own years as, um, you know, being a counselor, I definitely wasn't a counselor as long as you, but I think being in that position was so very rewarding. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was truly a position that every day I, uh, I felt fed and I felt like I was truly helping, um, individuals. So it was a very empowering position, but for you, um, I want to know it's a two-parter. Okay. What have you learned about students that was most surprising to you moving into that position? Mm -hmm. And then on the other side of that, what have you learned about yourself that just really became a surprise? Maybe you really were not aware about yourself. Okay, for well, in terms of the student piece, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we all we all work out of our own worldview, world paradigm, how, you know, the preconceived notions, I guess. And, and I was uh, very surprised, um, having been somebody that, you know, I went through high school, I filled out my college application, I went to college, that was all steps that just kind of knew, kind of knew it was expected. Uh, and to find so many of our students that just don't have any um, understanding and not, and it's, it's through no fault of their own, they haven't been exposed to it. Um, to what the, that process is. Um, so I made a lot of assumptions in my first years of, oh, yeah, no, you already know this. And then, no, I don't know this. So it, it was a lot of, of, of learning that, and it's not not wanting to do those things for the students. It's just not understanding the path. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even understanding, when they do understand the path, being kind of afraid to step out onto it and, and take, take that walk to, to see what could be next for them. Uh, and so that's where... I don't know if scaffolding is the right uh, term around them then because they're not trying to climb at that moment, but, you know, showing the path, uh, putting that light out there for them so they can kind of see which way they need to go. Um, So that that was very surprising to to me in the early years. Um, And then just what they struggle with on a day-to-day basis and and some of the things that they bring into school with them, um, which I know are out there but had never really touched me. So to see that in these kids' lives and see them come to school every day and be resilient and 
you know, be there every day, maybe not performing it. We, we think everybody should make A's or whatever that is. And they come in and they make those C's and they're really proud of them. And to find that place where I'm proud of them there too, because they are there and they are functioning and they are resilient and they are making it through. And someday that's going to turn around for them and all that's going to be, that's going to pay off. And it's going to be, it's going to be better than C's someday. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I, I want to know, too, especially these last two years of COVID restrictions and all the things, that there's an extra amount of stress on students, educators, everyone, but most definitely students and educators. How have you been able, or your colleagues, your students, how, what special accommodations have you had to make because of the whole COVID era? And what do parents, educators, community members, how can they better support young people through this very difficult time? Right. And I, I think the answer for young people and for us as adults and all of us together is we've got to extend grace to each other. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is just such different times. Uh, and we, I say that again, with a little bit of grain of salt, because we could probably travel back to any point in history, and these people, these are such a different time, but they're different for us, and what we're experiencing, and and we need to um, honor that, that it is different, and we are experiencing it differently, and, and and just be gracious with it, and and soft with ourselves, and know that we are going to get through it, but it's going to look different than probably what we think. I always tell my students, I, I have a real problem with the word should, uh, the word should is one that I try to eliminate from my vocabulary, and I don't let my students say it in my office. You know, I should have done this or I should have done that. No, should doesn't, can't come into it. It is what it is, and we have to decide what we're going to do next. And so we can think about what we should do, and, and there are no shoulds in this. We just have to look at the situation, who needs our help, um, you know, who needs my help, how I can support people, how they can support me, and we just have to do it. Mm-hmm. We have to do that right thing in the right moment. That's, that is impactful, especially because it makes you stop and think about being very intentional. And you try to remove that particular word that we all use constantly throughout the day without even realizing it. But I want to go back a couple of steps. Mm -hmm. You said that we hope we should extend more grace to each other, Mm -hmm. to ourselves. This is elementary, but what's your definition of grace? Because some people may hear you and go, what does she mean? Okay, grace. Sure. What, what do you mean by grace? What is, sure. what is grace? Um, well, it's kind of a, it, it's a, it's a pot full of things. Uh, there's a little bit of forgiveness in there. Uh, well, probably a lot of forgiveness. Um, there's understanding. Um, there's um, a shared humanity uh, in that. It's, it's a, just this understanding that things aren't always what they look like on the outside. And there's many elements to what everybody is dealing with. And it, you know, I think it's just really important to, to understand that we all struggle. And while my struggles, um, to me, may, may not seem like much or they may not seem like, you know, because, I, you know, my struggle may just be that I just don't want to get out of bed and go to work that day. That's, right. that's not huge, but it, that's a thing. <laughs> and so um, th- we have to understand that, that whatever it is for that person, uh, that that they're going through and that they're struggling with, it's real, and it's real for them. That's really important to hear because just because there's a definition, your definition, my definition, dictionary's definition of what that word means, it should be personalized because mm-hmm. everybody has their own experience. 
But I think everyone would agree if they took the time to really think about it, having grace for each other and, again, yourself is, uh, is so important, and especially through these very troubling times because it's so hard to, to get, it's so easy to get hardened mm-hmm. and to be offended and frustrated and to lash out than it is to be in that space, to identify, to be aware, to figure it out. Right. I think it's also important to remember that, you know, your journey is not my journey. Exactly. And so if I look and I, that making that comparison, it just kind of ruins everything and, and taints everything. Um, you know, so if I look at, at, at your life and I say, oh, well, that's what I should do. Well, no, that's not, that's well, not my, again. that's not my journey. There's, there's that should. Yeah. So that's that should, that's going to knock me away from, take me off the course of what it is that I'm here to accomplish and, and what it is uh, that I can contribute. And when you speak about journey, that takes us back to the whole point of being here, the path of most persistence. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a word. This is a whole topic that you would appreciate, that you do appreciate. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I want to know what your definition of persistence is. What does it look like for you? Well, I... yeah, for me, that it, it's a it's a personal uh, personal uh, definition, but it's just getting up every day and, and doing what what I do that day, um, and and it's not necessarily you know certainly I plan for the future or whatever, but our life kind of does what it wants to to us. Life is life may be our biggest obstacle for everybody because we we uh, you know if you think about it, we come in and we're born and we're just a potato. There's nothing to us. We're a potato, and we have to learn to if we want to get somewhere, we got to learn to crawl. We got to learn to walk, we, and those are all obstacles that we have to overcome, and they all just become part of our. Um, you know, we just, that's just a stepping stone for us because it's just, we all do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're obstacles and we conquered that. So then you've got to do the next thing. So per- persistence is, is, is just for me looking around and finding what is the next right thing that I need to do and what is the, the next thing, um, that, that propels me not necessarily to goals or, um, just, just to, create the life that is going to be mine. So for those listening, I'm sure there will be many that really appreciate what you're saying. They hear it. You are inspiring them, no doubt. But there might be some that go, okay, you know, I'm not her. I don't feel that way. I don't think that way. I, I don't have that presence. I don't know that I could ever have it. Maybe I don't want it. So how... So how can we encourage or help people to encourage to find a path forward? Because what is the purpose of finding a path forward? What is the purpose of persisting the way you see it? And if it doesn't come innately, how can someone find a way that it's easier to attain? So I don't know that it's ever easy to attain. And, and I, you know, I, I speak here like it's just never a struggle to get up and say, yes, I'm doing this. I mean, sure, there's always times that I'm like, oh, what, what, why am I (laughs) struggling with this? Um, But I think sometimes you have to step up and take a bigger worldview of that. Um, I I read something recently, and it, it said there are many paths to a beautiful life. And I think 
we get caught up in wanting to be successful and whatever that definition is, whether it's money, whether it's things, whether it's um, accolades and titles, whatever it is, we get caught up in that and forget that there's so many beautiful things that happen over our lives. And the goal really should be the beautiful life. And so that takes people, no, people are, whoever's listening isn't me. And, and how they perceive, how they perceive beauty is going to be different than how I perceive beauty. Right. And so that's a, you know, I, I think some of the attainment there is, is really sitting with yourself mm-hmm. and taking some time to be introspective and, and realize what matters to you, um, what you find beautiful. And, and that's, it's, whether that's, you, you know, some big high-powered career for some people or whether it's a quiet life, uh, you, you know, with family close by. Uh, however, uh, those are very beautiful lives and beautiful paths. So I, I don't know if I really answered the question there, but I, I just, it always sticks with me. There's many paths to a beautiful life. Uh, absolutely. And and for you, with all your paths, your accomplishments, your attainments, what has been the most beautiful for you oh, thus wow. far? Oh, gosh, that's a hard question. Oh, you know, we try. <laughs> uh, yeah, you got to stump <laughs> me somewhere. I understand. Um, you know, I, it just really goes back to what I get to do every day of my life, and that's to get up and go uh, work with young people and, and help them find that path um, to be able to use my experience um, not in a way of saying this is what you should do or this is what you shouldn't do, but to, to use my experience to, to let them give them some knowledge or whatever it is. I mean, I think that's a really beautiful thing when we as humans mm-hmm. um, and, and people can reach out to those around us and contribute a positive in a positive way to their lives somehow. Nice, nice. So I'm going to pivot just a little bit more because you are very um, active outside of your professional career as a, as a, a school counselor mm-hmm. and all the things that you have, all those roles and responsibilities, but you have a very active uh, social life in what you do outside in your free time. Do you want to speak to some of those other hobbies or those some of those other commitments that you have? Well, sure. I, I um, you know, COVID has has put a damper on a lot right. of things, but I I am also a Texas Master Naturalist, uh, which is um, it's a, a core of volunteers that is organized by Texas Parks and Wildlife. Um, so in order to work on, you know, different environmental projects and, and things like that. Uh, so I, I spend some time outside. I have, I've done some animal rehab, helping with that kind of stuff. Um, some of my favorites, I don't do it anymore because I don't live on the coast, but I used to love uh, to go out to Aransas Wildlife, National Wildlife Refuge, mm-hmm. and uh, help out out there uh, doing different things, working the desk, talking to people about the animals that they saw, and uh, hiking the trails and talking to people and what they about what they were seeing out there. Um, so I, I guess everything I do kind of has, has that bit of education <laughs> touch, right. touch it in it as well. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's there's more to give than just what I give at school. So, well, I, you know, I'm always fascinated with that aspect of your life because I'm an animal lover and I love that time or your, your stories that you share with me about your time there. But one question before we leave this topic, sure. what has been the greatest lesson that you've learned from animals? Ooh, that's really great. So I, well, there's, you want to talk about perseverance. Um, and I mentioned Aranza's National Wildlife Refuge, that is the home to the hooping cranes. And the hooping cranes are an endangered species uh, in 
the 1930s, uh, the estimate is there were about 15 of them left in the world. And uh, President um, Franklin Roosevelt made, you know, he, he established Aransas National Wildlife Refuge. Um, for, for our listeners who don't know where that is, that's near Rockport, Texas, uh, on the Texas coast. And the hooping cranes winter there. They come down and they live there in the winter and they feed up on blue crabs and wolf berries. Uh, and then they make the journey back to Wood Buffalo National Park in Canada, which is very, very high up near the Arctic Circle, uh, where they, that is their mating and nesting grounds in the summer. Uh, and so we are now, I, the persistence of the people who wanted to preserve this bird, uh, it's the largest crane. Um, they stand four to six feet tall. They're very huge birds, very majestic. Um, so the people that wanted to preserve that, um, the people you know, even in, from the 30s to today that, that want to do that at Aransas, at Wood Buffalo, all along the way, the International Crane Foundation that works with them, um, and that persistence to try to figure out how do we make uh, ha- keep habitat, how do we make things um, keep things in such a way that they're good for the hooping crane and the hooping crane can survive and the hooping crane goes along flying north to south every year and keeps doing its thing and you know we have i think the last thing i read about it about 500 of them now and that doesn't seem like a lot but that's huge from where it was um so you know that's that's one of those things you just the hooping crane gets up in the gets up in the in uh, October and says, hey, I got to fly south. And there it goes and goes down to Aransas. And, uh, you know, about Easter, it decides up, got to go back up north and take care of that. So, you know, I, I, I'm giving a lot more thought process to a hooping crane than they, they probably have. But, you know, they do it. They do what they have to do. And uh, so I think that there's that persistence and then just the beauty of the persistence for people that want to save those as well. I love that. And thank you. See, <laughs> I knew you would tie it all up for. So persistence is a topic. It's a characteristic that transcends not just humans, but mm-hmm. life and just the nature of things. And so it's beautiful to be able to see it in every aspect of our lives and the things that we find interest and how it relates to us and we to mm-hmm. them. So thank you for tying that up. Oh, you're welcome. Um we're going to start wrapping things up very mm-hmm. soon. And as I continue to ask you a few more questions, I want you to think of any items that you want to make sure you mention during this conversation. But to lean back to your collaboration with our organization, NPI, what has been the most rewarding uh, program that you've been involved in and why? Uh, oh gosh, <laughs> I've been, you've you've made me be involved with all of them, so <laughs> it's hard to narrow it down. Anything, well, anything honestly, anything that's student centered, uh, any or student focused, um, the the WIT program, uh, the the former Power Set program, getting to take those kids out um, to colleges to visit, not just walk around the campus and see it, but get them behind the scenes and getting to talk to professors and seeing the kind of research that goes on at, at colleges. Um, and getting to see them discover that um, and travel with them and get them to see. Because some of our students, again, this is that 
that, uh, that that thing about our students and and knowing where they come. Some of our students have never been out of the county they were born in, right. and so just getting to see one of the first trips I took as a sponsor, we took kids out to West Texas to to the McDonald Observatory and Saul Ross University, and we're driving out there in West Texas, and we were in a charter bus, and it, that was the year that there were a lot of wildfire wildfires out yes. in West Texas, yes. yeah. and so we didn't even know for sure if we were going to get to take that trip. But we're in a charter bus and, you know, the kids had been talking and, and all of a sudden it's just absolutely quiet on the bus. And all of them are one on one side of the bus. They that had, always makes you nervous. It does. Wait, 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 why is it quiet? But, and they were all on one side of the bus mm-hmm. looking out the window and just talking about, because there's the Davis Mountains. Some of them had never seen mountains. And they could see uh, where the wildfire had come through because they could see the charred earth there. And they were just you know chatting with each other a little bit about what they were seeing and that was just that was such a that was a that was an impactful moment for me to to see that in the in the kid because I'm riding along going yeah there was there was where the wildfire was and yeah that's the Davis Mountains and you know just kind of taking it all in stride as I do and but they were just captivated by that that moment. So you say it was an impactful moment for you but what do you mean by impactful how did it strike you how did it hit you? Um, a couple of ways. First, just in the realization that in that moment, those kids were seeing and learning something that they had never nice. done before, and they would not mm-hmm. have had that opportunity if we were not there in that moment. Nice. So where there was that, um, and then also, I, again, a little bit of that just understanding how important what we do as educators is, and um, you know how much how much well, power we have to influence and give those kinds of opportunities to students. Nice. Love it. Okay, so any final thoughts or words before I end on my final list of questions for you? Well, I, I guess I, you know, you and I both like to talk about what, what quotes, quotes yeah, that we like. Always. So, and this is one that I, I read recently also, uh, and it, it's, it was Carl Jung, uh, the, the Swiss psychiatrist. Mm. Uh, and uh, what, what he said was, if we will, with conviction, do the next thing and the necessary thing, we will always be doing something meaningful. And I think that's, that's so important to just give us that inertia to go and do that first step and do the next thing. Um, and, and if you think about it and you, you stop at a point and you look back at your life, um, you know, you and I, like you, like you said earlier, we met 22 years ago. I was an English teacher. You were a counselor. Um, and, and I think some of why we wanted to become friends and we became friends is that we both had that conviction of wanting to do our jobs with integrity and perform with integrity. And, and so we've spent 22 years doing very meaningful things. Yes. So I, I think that's, that's, um, that's where I would like to leave you. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. And I think when when you say things like that, I think it also lends back to conversations that I've had with other individuals, other guests, that it goes back to hearkening those overwhelming tasks just by breaking them out down into steps. Just take a step at a time. Right. And at least you're moving in a direction. And hopefully that something becomes very small as you step it out one step at a time. Right. Okay. So, what I want to do is, this is something new. Uh, oh, it figures you do something new with me. <laughs> so, I have some rapid fire phrases. Okay. So, I'm going to just 
give you a beginning phrase and I want you to end it for me. Okay, I feel like I need a seatbelt right now. Are okay, you something. ready? Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> okay, I believe in the goodness of people. I trust. Oh, I trust myself. <laughs> I love. Mm. Oh gosh! Well, this is getting so superficial, but I love my dog. <laughs> that is not superficial. That is a meaningful relationship for most people. <laughs> I fear. Oh, um, I, I guess. Oh, I don't fear. I don't fear much, but I I fear losing my capacity uh, to help myself. Mm. I forgive. I don't know that people necessarily ever want to intentionally do wrong things to me, so I forgive that that things aren't necessarily always or uh, just period. I forgive. Yeah, I forgive. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I want. Ooh. <laughs> um, you know, I, I I I want to be useful. I want to be helpful. I want to make a difference. I believe in luck, hard work. Or miracles? Mm, all of them. All of them. Last one. Mm -hmm. I persist because. I persist because I'm here, and that's what I need to do. Thank you. You're welcome. That was wonderful. I want to thank you for the conversation today. I, uh, not only as my friend of 22 years, but as a colleague, Molly, sincerely, mm -hmm. Thank you uh, for being, of course, my friend, but a colleague from for whom I highly respect, I appreciate, and I know that near or far, as our careers yeah. go in and out, and we touch, we lose touch, but I know that one thing remains with you, that your heart is always there, uh, not only for friendships, but for passion for students, and integrity, and that, and and because of that, I will never lose touch with you. So mm -hmm. thank you for allowing me to be your friend. Well, absolutely, and, and and vice versa. I, it's um, your friendship is highly valued, and thank you for continuing to ask me back. <laughs> absolutely, no doubt. And to our audience, thank you so much for listening to today's conversation. I hope that you heard the entire conversation and you listen to all of our other conversations. I hope that you've heard Molly's messages and like Molly, I hope that we all search and find a beautiful path. Have a wonderful day.